After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. Thank you, Evan. Today's guest is Barry Weinman. With over two decades of venture capital experience, his knowledge in financial management seems endless. Moreover, his familiarization in the technology industry makes him an instrumental figure in the promotion of the high-tech sector in the state of Hawaii. Barry currently serves as a trustee of the UH Foundation, chairman of the Investment Committee, and member of the Board of Hawana Medical. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, co-founder and managing director of Allegis Capital, Barry Weinman. Barry, how would you define your job of venture capitalist? Principally, we raise money, uh, usually in a blind pool. We might raise that money from large corporations, wealthy families, endowments. And then we try to find entrepreneurs that have incredible ideas and have talent. And we invest in those entrepreneurs and try to help them build their companies and make them very, very successful, including becoming global companies, including becoming public companies. So basically, we're coaches, uh, and we're also facilitators. Can you give an example of maybe an entrepreneur that came in, kind of how it went, and boom, they went IPO or got a good acquisition? Well, one of our best success stories is a uh, company called Extreme. Uh, it's a gigabit Ethernet company. Uh, the entrepreneur had uh, been part of a, a prior startup that was successful. Uh, there were a lot of gigabit Ethernet companies started in Silicon Valley. This was around 1997. But he had a different idea. His idea was to go outside of the U.S. and find customers who were non-U.S. customers and who wanted the same kind of uh, technologies that U.S. companies did. Uh, that was, for us, a unique approach. Uh, we backed that company, and when he went public and two years later, had a, he had a $14 billion market cap from scratch. How did you get started being a venture capitalist? Well, I started on the, the other side. I was an entrepreneur. Uh, Together with my wife, Virginia, we built a software company in the 1970s. Uh, we were quite fortunate. We merged it with a larger company and had a public offering. And from that, we were able to take some of our own personal money and begin making angel-type investments. And then in 1980, together with a couple of other people, we launched a venture fund, very small at the time. $19 million. Uh, today, a $19 million fund uh, wouldn't even be listed in the venture capital directory. When you went um, IPO, what made you want to invest or be an angel investor in other people's company instead of continuing to invest in yourself and maybe starting another company? That's an interesting question. And, and, and some people come down on both sides of the equation on that. Uh, there are serial entrepreneurs who will go back and do the next one and the next one and the next one. Uh, hopefully, maybe They're you sick. will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they didn't get enough punishment the first time, no. so they're going to go back and get punished the second time. 
Uh, on the other side of the coin, people who have gone through that process have a very valuable learning experience. It's not book learning, it's real practical experience. And it's hard. It's very hard to go from a startup through all of the funding processes, uh, through uh, building your business big enough. Usually it has to be more than a single product. It has to be more than just a single market in order to be a successful public company. And what you do is you learn an awful lot. And if you're inclined to want to share that, you tend to go into something like angel investing or venture capital investing and leverage yourself that way. So instead of doing one more startup, I mean, I've been involved in over 70 public companies, not personally, but through our venture fund, and we could never do that as an individual. What were some of the lessons that you learned while you were taking that first company public? Well, the most important lesson I always say to, to entrepreneurs is you've got to focus. Uh, people get distracted when they do startups. There's uh, changes in course that's necessary and quite frequent actually. You start out on one path and maybe you have to move. But you can get distracted. You can focus on the wrong issues. You can uh, worry about too many ideas and try to get into too many markets. You can have too many products. You can worry about the structure of the deal. You can worry about who's doing what in the company and what their titles are. All of those are irrelevant. The thing that's relevant is focus, focus, focus. Well, how do you know what to focus on? Well, that's what separates a great entrepreneur just from somebody who wants to start a company. They have to have a vision. They have to be able to articulate that vision in a very simple way. I, I don't like to see vision statements more than one or two sentences at the most. Then they have to understand what their mission is within that vision. So if they have this very broad vision of what's going to change in the world, then they have to say, what place do I want to play in that? And that becomes their mission statement. That's what they have to focus on, and they have to remember, don't vary from the mission. Then they have to do all of the steps necessary to execute on the mission. To build the product, they have to build the team, they have to build the market. But at least they know where they're going. Did you have all that when you first no. were in that company? <laughs> okay. Uh, actually, uh, it, it may sound a little self-serving, but we did. But we did for a different reason. Uh, we got into our own business more by accident. I was a national marketing manager for manufacturing systems for IBM, and my wife, Virginia, was a developer in the IBM Santa Teresa Labs down in San Jose, and she was working on manufacturing systems. And IBM was the leader, but only for big computer systems. So very, very large, multi-million dollars, and only very large companies could afford those systems. And what we kept hoping was that IBM would go after mid-size and small businesses with smaller computers. But that was not in their horizon or vision. And so when we had the opportunity to do that, we were focused on that market. We had a single product, and we became a global company in that specific area. Did you have distractions, and then you determined that, no, we're not going to get distracted this way. We're going to stay on this course? Every day, somebody would walk into our office and try to move us slightly from where we were. Well, instead of manufacturing, how about accounting? Instead of accounting, how about a sales system? All of these were good ideas, but they're distractions. We became very good at what we did and what we knew by staying focused. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. 
After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Audi sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion. Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. GreaterGoodRadio.com You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at GreaterGoodRadio.com. Today's guest is Barry Weinman, co-founder of Allegis Capital, High Beam, and Dragon Bridge Capital. Since 1980, Barry and his partners have helped take over 70 private companies public. Has there been a difference that you've seen from the first company that you took public to the 70th company? Has it gotten easier? <laughs> Actually, uh, currently, it's harder. Uh, in fact, the United States is going through a period now because of Sarbanes-Oxley uh, where it is very difficult to go public. And the U.S. capital markets, the, the uh, NASDAQ, which is the public market where most technology companies go, has lost its lead to the London Exchange, the A market in London. They're losing it to the Hong Kong Exchange and to the Tokyo Exchange because it's too difficult now for a young company to go public in the U.S. Over time, that's ebbed and flowed, but the basic principles are still there. During the bubble, if you can remember that, people took companies public on concepts not real businesses, and that's why the bubble burst. And you see a little of it again, especially in places like China where there's a very big bubble. But by and large, if you do it right, if you're focused, and if you build real businesses, the process of going public is the same. How about working with your wife? Do you think that you might have had a different um, outcome if you weren't working with your wife in that situation? Well, I would have been tempted less to kill somebody. <laughs> <laughs> It was a, it's a very trying experience to work with your wife. Uh, you, you probably may find that out yourselves. Uh, on the other side of the coin, if you're both driven, and we were both driven, and you're both entrepreneurial, then uh, it can be a benefit. Because if, for example, in a husband-wife team, if one is driven and very entrepreneurial and the other one isn't, that causes conflicts. Because being an entrepreneur is a 24 by 7 process and if the other person is not interested in that that can cause conflict working with my wife in this case she was came from an entrepreneurial family she was in fact I think more driven than I was um, we we fed off each other that caused also some problems but but at least we were going down the same path do you think that um, as an entrepreneur and then you've met quite a bit of entrepreneurs what are the things that make the successful entrepreneur is successful and the unsuccessful ones unsuccessful? Well, that's the hardest question for any uh, prospective investor or co-founder or employee. Um, 
I liken it to uh, the difference between a great entrepreneur and a charlatan. A charlatan is somebody who has great enthusiasm, has a wonderful idea, and can convince almost anybody to go along with them along that process. A great entrepreneur has to do the same thing. The difference is a great entrepreneur is de dealing with something real, whereas a charlatan is dealing with something phony. So the entrepreneur has to have great passion and has to really believe in what they're doing and they have to be able to convey that message to everybody that they're involved with their employees their customers their suppliers and their investors so we look for that as is this the kind of person that can motivate and build teams is this the kind of person that will listen to their customers is this the kind of person that wants greatness but then, but then in the, in, when they come in and pitch you right we had talked a little bit earlier and you said man in the in, in the beginning stages of that pitch, you kind of have an idea already. So what are the indicators that are, are telling you whether that person is the type of person you want or the type of person that maybe is not a good match? Well, if you step back and say, how do you build a public company? And what are the issues of building a public company? The job of the CEO becomes very clear. The job of the CEO is to provide the resources for everybody else in the company. And the CEO is the only person who can do that. Because investors who invest in the company give the company the ability to acquire the resources, whether that's people, facilities, equipment, uh, parts. And when you look at somebody, you have to determine, is that the kind of person that will be attractive to people to invest in? And people want to invest in people that they like, that they believe, so there's a level of trust and honesty, and that they can uh, understand, no matter how complex the business is, understand it simply, and then believe can this person execute. So we focus, and I, and I specifically focus, on is that person capable of doing those things. They may be better engineers in the world, they may be better salespeople in the world, they may be better marketing people in the world. That's fine. That, that entrepreneur can hire them. He does not or she does not have to be the best in that case. What they have to do is they have to be able to tell the best story. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Is the greatest part of your workday the leftover lasagna you packed for lunch? Is it quickly becoming apparent that you and everyone you know are smarter than your boss? Just how satisfying is it to wear an untucked shirt on Fridays? It's time you stopped filling a position and started being fulfilled with a job that excites you every day, not just payday. And now is the perfect time to demand more of the work week. The Honolulu Star Bulletin and Midweek work with monsters so you can live up to your potential right here. Your calling is calling. Find it at starclassifieds.monster.com. We're back with Barry Weinman. Dragon Bridge Capital, could you tell us how that came about? Yeah, so Dragon Bridge is located here in Honolulu, but our main uh, field of operations is China. And our goal is to 
help Chinese companies who want to come to the U.S. for joint ventures, mergers and acquisitions, and eventually to go public on the U.S. markets. Uh, we did that in partnership with the state of Hawaii. Uh, this was originated by uh, Governor Linda Lingle during her visit to China in uh, 2005 and stemmed from an idea that uh, Ted Liu, who is the director of uh, uh, business development and tourism for the state, began to work on, uh, together with a few other people in Hawaii, connecting Hawaii with China. And in order to do that and help bring companies here to Hawaii, you need to have a merchant bank. And Dragon Bridge is a merchant bank that we created for that purpose. So you did it in conjunction with the state, but why, why do you do business in Hawaii in general? It's kind of out of the way and, and so on, right? Well, I live in Hawaii, and I love Hawaii, and, I, and I've always wanted to live in Hawaii since I first came out here in the 60s. Um, I think that Hawaii has a lot to offer. Uh, it, it, it can show people uh, how many different cultures can work together. It has a, it, it's somewhat of a bridge between the U.S. mainland and Asia. It, it knows how to navigate those waters. Uh, in today's world of the internet, uh, you can do business almost anywhere. And so consequently, Hawaii is not necessarily uh, a place where you would do manufacturing, but you can certainly do innovation here. We have some great technologies at our University of Hawaii, in our medical school, and so I'm, I'm, I'm quite bullish on Hawaii. How many entrepreneurs do you think you've dealt with over your career? <laughs> um, well, there's been probably hundreds I'd like to strangle. Um, <laughs> Uh, we, we look at, it has to be a lot more, we look at between two and three hundred companies a month. We've been doing this for nearly 30 years. Uh, so our Rolodex is kind of large. We back about 12 companies a year, about one a month, so it's probably been somewhere around 400 companies. There usually may be uh, five or ten founders that are the core pieces of those companies. So if you do the math, you're talking about a few thousand people. So in your opinion, can entrepreneurship be taught, or you have to be born with it? Uh, <laughs> it reminds me, uh, I took a sales uh, course in school, and the question in the sales course was, can salesmen be taught or, is, or does it have to be, or they have to be born? And in the sales school, they obviously think they can teach sales. Well, I thought you had to be born, so I got that question wrong. However, in the philosophy school, uh, or the philosophy course I took, they believe that people are born certain ways. So I decided to change my answer because I was wrong in the sales department. And I said, no, you have to train them to be good salesmen. And of course, in the philosophy department, that was wrong. So I got, I got the same question wrong twice, even though I changed the answer. And I think that's pretty much the same here. Um, I think you can teach the tools to entrepreneurs so that they can learn certain things about building their business, about raising money, about compensating employees, about focus. Um, but I almost think it has to be in your gut, or at least a willingness to take the risks of being an entrepreneur. Because basically, when it comes down to it, entrepreneurs are risk takers. And some people just aren't. And they shouldn't try that. Uh, although trying it and failing can actually be a great benefit. And then you can use that experience wherever you go. Are you finding any common similarities or differences between 
entrepreneurs worldwide. Uh, that's interesting. I think there are some cultural dishes, issues that you have to deal with. For example, uh, in China and in parts of Southeast Asia and Japan, there's a tendency for an entrepreneur to want to own and control their own businesses. In the US, the tendency is to build teams and share the ownership and share the responsibilities. That's a fundamental difference because in a lot of the Asian countries, you're betting on one person and that's difficult. Uh, in the U.S., you're betting on a team, so therefore each person doesn't have to be strong in areas other than the area that they function in, and I think that's easier. But in general, um, they all want pretty much the same thing, success. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Feeling fine, we're staying cool on Hawaiian time. Neptunites, the sunshine in your mouth. Neptunites, For bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party or business, contact Bubble Tea Supply at 948-2622 or online at bubbletea.com. Neptunites, the sunshine in your mouth. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. GreaterGoodRadio.com You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at GreaterGoodRadio.com. Today's guest is Barry Weinman, co-founder of Allegis Capital. With his wife, Virginia, Barry created the Weinman Foundation, which established the Pacific Center for Entrepreneurship at the University of Hawaii. Could you tell us about the Weinman Foundation that you and your wife started? Well, my wife and I started the Weinman Foundation in uh, 1998, and you know, if you look at the Bill Gates and Melinda Gates Foundation, ours is the same thing except we have a lot less zeros than they have in the amount of money we have to spend. And what we focused on were things that were important to us. And that's principally been uh, education, children, uh, abused children. And what we do is uh, we look at about 10 to 15 proposals a year and we tend to focus in on one or two of them. So we focused at UH, on, at the business school and at the medical school. Uh, my wife's on the board of the Children's Alliance. Uh, she takes an active role wherever we invest. So we just don't write the check. We try to get involved and get our hands a little dirty. Have you always been involved in nonprofit work, or was it once you, know, you went public with that company? Well, 
it's hard when you're a young entrepreneur to to put money cash is king at the time uh, and also time because entrepreneurs are pretty busy 24 7 type of a life uh, but in the back of our minds we were helped by a lot of people and we always said someday we're going to do the same thing back and our goal was uh, when we were financially able we would help at least entrepreneurs so that's part of our work at the uh, uh, Pacific Asian Center for Entrepreneurship at UH and part of it was to make sure that kids who were maybe disadvantaged got a better chance so I grew up in a pretty rough poor neighborhood of Brooklyn New York and uh, very few people made it out of there and I said someday hopefully we'll be able to help kids make it out maybe from not the best environment and my wife came from a very uh, entrepreneurial family uh, her father was an immigrant to uh, Canada didn't speak the language built up a very successful business so she lived through that process and said she wanted to do the same thing so we were kind of united in that idea and we've put most of our effort and money into scholarships and into uh, helping entrepreneurs and uh, we love it and why I mean why are you helping entrepreneurs what is it that your experience has made such a difference through the other people that have helped you well, it's the future, right? I mean, if you think about innovation and new ideas and lifting the standards of living of people, healthcare, you know, maybe curing cancer or something like that, who's going to do that? It's going to be our entrepreneurs. I mean, it, it, it tends not to happen in large companies. It tends not to happen in bureaucracies. It happens by some person who says, I have the vision, I'm going to do it, but they need some help. And then why Hawaii? I'm well, we love Hawaii. We, we, uh, I met my wife here. I was uh, stationed in Pearl Harbor. She was a student at the University of Hawaii. We actually met in uh, Hamilton Library. Uh, and uh, I still think I have uh, a book there that I haven't returned yet, so I probably have to do that. But she uh, uh, was willing to marry me at the time when I was making $238 a month. Uh, we could live in Hawaii. Uh, we lived at Radford Terrace which is uh, Navy housing and uh, so it was our start. Now we left after a number of years and we lived in many other places in the world uh, uh, but we always wanted to come back. And, and then did. when did you know it was time that you could come back? Well we, uh, I think it was uh, Christmas of 98 or 99, we, uh, our, our Christmas plans fell apart. We were supposed to party with some or, or do some things with family and friends. And so our tendency was whenever that happened, we'd just run down to the airport and get on the next plane going to someplace that was interesting. As it turned out, the next plane going to someplace warm was going to Oahu. So we said, hey, we haven't been to Oahu in a long time. Why don't we do that? We got off and we snuck our way into the Royal Hawaiian, which is a great place to reacquaint yourself with Hawaii, and we fell in love with it again. And we've been coming back ever since, and then we moved here in May of 2004 permanently. What message could you give the younger people who are building their careers to encourage them to get involved in nonprofit organizations? Well, I think uh, most young people that I've talked to say, well, I don't have the money and I don't have the time. And that's true. Uh, but what they can do is they can do things like, for example, uh, a number of the young entrepreneurial companies in Hawaii, they donate some equity. So, for example, uh, Dustin Shindo at Hoku has given 
25,000 shares to the University of Hawaii. Patrick Sullivan at Hawana has given uh, 50,000 shares to the University of Hawaii. Uh, Hawaii Biotech has given shares. Now, those shares uh, aren't cash out of their pocket, but what those shares have done, in, in Dustin Shindo's case, when his company went public, that turned into about $150,000 for the university. That can create projects, it can create uh, programs, uh, it can involve the people at Hoku back into the university so that they can participate in those programs. So they can be doing things that help their company at the same time, and yet at the same time it's not cash out of their pocket, and it, it, it's somewhat of an interest to what they're thinking about. So those are ways where uh, I think people can start to think about, maybe I can contribute other than cash, I can contribute some equity in my company, I can contribute by maybe teaching a class or being a participant in a class. Uh, those are areas where they can get started. Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong, saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio Hawaii.